Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Maryland Hoops Report presented by The Left Bench. We're coming at you live from the UVU apartments. I'm your host, Brandon Simberg. Joined with me as always is my co-host and producer. I, I gotta give you some credit for the technical work you've been doing, Noah Laughlin. Noah, h- how's it going? Well, thank you. As you just let our listeners know, we've been struggling a little bit with the audio, but it's a work in progress and we really value making this show the best possible show it can be and we believe that as the months go on and as the season progresses that the audio will only improve and hopefully by Big Ten play you'll be listening to a professional sounding podcast. 100% absolutely we're just trying to give you guys the best content we can. So I was going to start today's podcast recapping Maryland's win over George Mason but you know we're basketball fans and I think we got to talk about a big result that took place on Monday, or today, or tomorrow, or yesterday, whenever you're listening, <laughs> at the Maui Invitational in the first round, unranked and a ACC bottom feeder Virginia Tech takes down number three Michigan State. Michigan State now has two losses. They did win at Seton Hall, but they looked pretty vulnerable. Is Maryland now the team to beat in the Big Ten, Noah? It looks like it, and we both have a good friend who happens to be a Michigan State fan. We'll <laughs> shout him out, Jordan Sampson. And he, he pushed back a little bit when I first made that comment, and he said what everyone would probably say, which is Maryland hasn't faced anyone yet. Uh, they haven't played a quality opponent. <laughs> we'll recap who they played Friday. Wasn't a great opponent. So I get that pushback. That makes a lot of sense. But remember, the first show of the year, Brandon, we talked about the other teams in the Big Ten, and we both agreed that Michigan State might be a little overrated. We thought that... When you just looked at their roster top to bottom, from a talent standpoint, they might not really deserve to be talked about in that top tier, you know, team conversation. And maybe that's what we're seeing. What have you seen in those two losses? Do you think it's a talent issue? I think it. people are definitely overlooking the losses they've had. They lost Josh Langford for injury, and their Vegas odds didn't really decrease. Everyone still penciled them in as the number one team. Josh Langford to Michigan State is kind of like what Aaron Wiggins is to Maryland, he's a multi-dimensional wing that can shoot, attack the basket, and defend. So like, imagine if Maryland lost Aaron Wiggins, what that would do to the team. So I don't think people really factored in how big of a loss that was. And you know, they also don't have a true knockdown shooter anymore with Matt McQuaid graduating. That's an area they've struggled in. You know, Aaron Henry's a good athlete, not the best shooter. Rocket Watts, good athlete, not the best shooter. So they're kind of missing that glue shooter guy right now. And I mean, as you know, in college basketball, three-point shooting can win you games. Totally. And I remember watching Michigan State throughout the tournament, during the the Big Ten tournament as well, and even games against Maryland, the big games. I saw Matt McQuaid come up, you know, night after night, hitting big shots and clutch moments, was a go-to scorer. And everyone knew he was gone, yet people were talking about Michigan State like they were bringing the whole squad back. And I absolutely agree that... Uh, uh, McQuaid's absence is not talked about enough. And, you know, that comparison you brought with Langford and Wiggins, yeah, I think people need to look at Michigan State differently than they did last year or maybe at least how they did coming into the season. Absolutely. And I'm not going to, like, cross them off or anything. It's Tom Izzo. It's Cassius Winston. They're going to be better in March than they are right now. But if I had to pick a team to win the Big Ten today, it honestly feels like a three-way coin flip because I'm going to include Ohio State in there. They've looked good so far. It honestly feels like a three-way coin flip, kind of similar to last year. I think you had Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan, who are all really good. So um, I think that 
the Big Ten this year is not just a lock like we assumed Michigan State was going to be. I think there's three really good teams, and I'm excited to see how they battle it out. Yeah, and you brought up Ohio State. The news of the day in College Park was that the Maryland Terrapins are now a top-five team. They clock in at number five in the AP rankings. And, of course, we started texting when those rankings came out, and we were like, hold on. Does Maryland really deserve that number five ranking? Yeah, they've looked great. We were so positive about them on last show, and they took care of business again Friday, so no reason to not be positive. But then I compared them to a team like Ohio State, who has wins over Villanova and Cincinnati. Two legit teams. I, Cincinnati, obviously, McCronin's gone, but they're still probably a tournament team. And Villanova, obviously, you know, the favorite in the Big East, or at least right there with the, with the other, you know, Seton Hall and Marquette. Why is Maryland ranked, what are they, five spots over yeah. Ohio State? Why are they even five spots over Ohio State, Brandon? Because, Noah, the, the rankings are dumb and they're arbitrary. And it's nice that people, I see Maryland students reposting that Instagram picture with, like, Terps are number five now, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I'm glad, like, it's, it's getting student support up. But it's, it's dumb. And I don't really know what it's about. Is it Maryland was ranked highly and they haven't lost yet in the preseason. Ipso facto, they just move up. Where if I'm, like a, if I'm a Virginia fan, they've, beaten, they've won at Syracuse and they just won a tournament this weekend that featured Arizona State. So they've beaten Power 5 teams. They're the defending national champions. They're probably like, wait, Maryland is five after, after beating George Mason? Like, I, I mean, and UNC dropped for, for no reason. I mean, I, I think the rankings are dumb and I think they're arbitrary. And what matters is the seed list. But again, how can you, how can you think of teams' tournament resumes five games in? So I yeah, mean, I don't know. Do we really want it? We could start th- thinking really critically about this and say, and we'll get into it, Maryland's playing this tournament in Orlando that does not feature many top teams. I wonder if maybe... Orlando pushed to have a top five team in that tournament. You never know. You know, the NCAA works really closely with these networks. I know that people always talk about um, big name teams come tournament time, have an edge over smaller name teams on the bubble because CBS wants those teams in. Do you think it's a possibility that Orlando and whoever's broadcasting that tournament said there are a lot of, you know, big name schools, USC, Marquette, but where, where's that blue blood top team? I mean, it, it is literally called the ESPN Orlando Invitational. So who knows? Maybe ESPN got involved. We know college athletics can be a little, uh, you know, a little about the money. So we'll see. But with Michigan State's loss, I mean, they're at least moving up to four this week. And the, Michigan State's dropping below them. So they could be the number four team next week. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's, it's absolutely wild. And, you know, we'll get into it in a second. But I guess I'll just ask you this. Do you think the Terps will really face a real test over Thanksgiving? One that would validate a top five ranking? Again, we'll, we'll go over it a little bit more, but probably not. Like, I think Marquette is a little better. Like, like they sound better than they actually are. USC for sure is. And Harvard and Texas A&M, two teams who I thought might be decent, have actually gone off to slow starts this year. So, No. Is my short answer. So that all being said, Maryland fans are going to have to wait a while for that true test, whether that you consider that a road game at Penn State or the Seton Hall game that everyone's looking at in December. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's talk about the on-court play that happened this week. Enough about the off-court stuff. On, uh, what was it, Friday night? Yep. Friday night, they took down George Mason. It was your typical Maryland game thus far. George Mason hung around early. I, I wasn't super impressed with either team. Maryland goes on one run in the first half to kind of pull away, and then that kind of was the game. Second half, they controlled them. 
So not a ton, you know, we usually do two takeaways with just one game and it being somewhat uneventful. No, what's what's your biggest takeaway from the game? My biggest takeaway is that I think Maryland might have filled that weakness that a lot of people thought this team would have going into the season. A lot of people were freaking out over Bruno Fernandez' absence. Will Maryland fill that void of having a true big, a true five that can bang bodies, that can draw contact, that can post other players up? We know Jalen Smith is an unbelievable talent, but he can't really truly replace Bruno Bruno Fernando. In that George Mason game, I saw a lot of promise from freshman Mackie Mitchell. I saw him banging bodies, and I saw him getting to the line, drawing contact. He had 12 points and was 8 for 12 from the charity strike. So he was able to get those freebies. And I'm not saying he's going to replace Bruno Fernando, but I think it's really important to look at this situation with Maryland and say, you know, with every team, no team is a perfect team. Every team has its holes and weaknesses. And not having a true big man wasn't the only hole on this team, but it must be comforting to see that Maryland is filling, or at least attempting to fill that void. Absolutely. And Mitchell didn't actually play in the first half. His brother Mikel did. And second half, I'm kind of starting to write my story. I'm still watching the game, but I'm, I'm writing. It's just like every time I look up, like Mikel's at the free throw line, like, oh, Mitchell's shooting free throws again. Oh, he's at the line again. Offensive rebound, putback, foul. So, yeah, I think... And, and George Mason is, an, is a pretty good interior team, so the fact that he was able to do that against them showed some promise. And we, you know, we've talked about lineup versatility a ton, and this is just another piece. They can officially now go two bigs if they want to play Sticks and Makai Mitchell together, or, or even Mikel. They can do that. So I think it, it shows that Maryland can play two bigs, which, again, another thing we've talked about, the Big Ten, a lot of good interior teams. So this will definitely help Maryland going forward inside. Yeah, that's great news. Again, we stress so much on the last show versatility when it comes to Maryland, whether that be different lineups or different styles of play on the offensive and defensive side. And we were unsure going into the year how many of these freshmen we could really count on. And so far, it's looking like we can count on Dante Scott, and now I think we can count on Mackie Mitchell. And Mikel's been pretty good, too. And even Hakeem Hart wasn't great. But he played it a little bit, and he played over Sorrell Smith for what it's worth. I mean, we'll see how much either of them really plays when it gets down to it. But, yeah, I mean, the freshman class has shown four pretty capable guys. So what, is, what was your biggest takeaway being in the stadium Friday night, watching Maryland beat that undefeated George Mason team? Um, so my takeaway from the previous three games was that Anthony Cowan has become much more of a facilitator, a true point guard. You know, I talked about his assist to turnover ratio getting better, and he's taking less shots, blah, blah, blah. But on Friday night, when George Mason kind of had Maryland on their heels, the senior point guard stepped up and did what we've seen him do in the past, and that's score crucial buckets. Him and Ayala combined for 16 straight points in Maryland's run to pull away. And it just showed me that Cowan still has that kind of killer instinct. You know, he likes to take the big shot down the stretch, and it was good to see that that hadn't really faded from him. Again, when you look at college basketball, especially in March, a lot of people say it comes down to the guards, and especially the point guard. And we know Anthony Cowan's a seasoned vet. He's played in so many big games, but as you said, to see him come out Friday night in the second half and take over and really trigger that ultimate run that put George Mason away... Another really positive for Maryland fans. Yeah, absolutely. And again, as Big Ten play starts to come and they get in close games, they're going to need Cowan to do that a lot. And you know, they'll have less 
he'll have more. Huh, sorry, he'll have more of support than last year. But when it gets when it gets tight, they're gonna need to rely on him. All right, so we've already previewed the Thanksgiving tournament a little bit, but let's dive into our full preview. For those who don't know, they kick off Thursday morning, 11 Eastern, 10 Central for us on uh, Thanksgiving. So they start with Temple, who is 4-0, coached by Aaron McKee, a former Philadelphia 76er, who Mark Turgeon, who Mark Turgeon was assistant with the Sixers, so he, he actually coached McKee way back in the day. So that would be pretty cool. Noah, what can Maryland expect from Temple well, Thursday morning? I, you know, Temple, first of all, let's just address the elephant in the room. <laughs> Maryland sports in general has struggled with Temple. <laughs> and mainly I'm referring to football. So when Maryland basketball fans saw the schedule for this year, I think a lot of fans circled this game on their calendar as this is the one that Maryland is, you know, there's always that one stupid loss that every team has and it's just bound to be Temple because that that's what Maryland does. You know, that all being said, I think people maybe underrated Maryland's basketball team going into this year and I haven't watched a ton of Temple, but I will say this, they're deep uh, in that USC game. They had seven, eight contributors, so they'll be able to match Maryland from a depth standpoint, but I'm not expecting the Terps to really struggle in this one. I'll be interested to see how Maryland handles other factors, like first time on a flight this year, first road game, 11 a.m. start. I mean, I've played some AAU games at 8 a.m., and, like, you know, those are hard to get off for. And this is kind of the equivalent of that in college basketball, but everyone today at the media availability said the right thing, said they'll be ready to go. So how can they avoid a slow start when they've been struggling with those all year? And, yeah, Temple's all right. They're 98th in Kempom. Or sorry, they're 88th in Kempom, which is similar to Rhode Island, actually. I think Rhode Island's 89th. So that tells you, like in terms of efficiency, they're similar to Rhode Island. Temple is a little bit smaller. They're, reading, they're leading rebounders. Actually, they're 6'4 uh, shooting guards, so that's pretty interesting. But they're small. They kind of play fast. And they actually don't turn the ball over. Only 10 per game, mm-hmm. which is a good number. So I'll be interested to see what Turgeon does with that zone and how he uses it. Because if this is a small, fast team that can shoot threes... That may not be the move. Maybe they just have to go man and match them with their small lineup. We'll see. It's a great point. And you stress that a loss or an underwhelming performance in this game wouldn't really happen because of a mismatch or something happening on the basketball court. Rather, these outside factors like first time playing on the road, first you know this Orlando tournament with filled with distractions – I mean, we said at the beginning of the show, there's already been craziness in these Maui tournaments. We saw Dayton run Georgia out of the gym. Georgia had 23 turnovers in that game. And yeah, Georgia's not a great team, but they have some talented players. And I'll tell you what, they that was not the expected outcome. No. And then just, we talked about Virginia Tech also beating Michigan State. So a lot of wild things can happen in this tournament. And unfortunately, the way it's set up, though, it's single-game elimination in the sense that you need to win in order to make a championship. Obviously, you'll keep playing if you lose in the consolation bracket. So, Merrill loses to Temple. Fans are going to be rioting. And, look, a loss like that could trigger a string of losses in this tournament. Do you think that's a possibility? That if Maryland does somehow get upset early, that it could just totally kill their confidence and we could see a little bit of a spiral here? I'm going to say no, only because like the teams on the loser side are just going to be way worse than them talent-wise. Like, I just don't think that they'll have the... Like, they're just going to come out and out-talent teams. 
And I think even if they struggle tomorrow, even if they struggle early against Temple on Thursday, I think they can just out-talent them. I mean, Jalen Smith is going to have to be the best player in the game, I think. I think Temple's tallest player is like 6'8", 6'9". I mean, they're going to have to go to Sticks often and early, and if they double them, Sticks have to find open shooters. But I think Maryland should take care of Temple, but it remains to be seen. We'll see. Absolutely. And so, as you said, Temple is comparable to Rhode Island, but then you have to consider the fact that this is a neutral court, you know, in a tournament setting. So probably expect a closer game than that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I'll be interested with what the Vegas line is. Okay. I honestly have no idea what it's going to be. And then looking ahead to round two, in the when we did our preseason show, I actually said that I think I thought they would lose to Harvard and that would be a really tough game. I I severely overrated Harvard. They are not good this year so far. They're four and two. They lost to Buffalo by double digits. They lost to Northeastern. They don't have a good win yet. They beat they only beat Holy Cross by eight, who Maryland stomped. So Harvard, who's actually the lowest team, and like they're lower in Kempom than Temple and A and M at ninety eight, and then Texas A and M, who I didn't think highly of, but Gonzaga stomped them by thirty. They, can, they cannot shoot the ball at all. They shoot 18 threes per game, which is by far the lowest in the SEC, at a 22% clip. I mean, this team cannot shoot the ball. Um, but in terms of Maryland, in terms of Mark Turgeon and his squad, who do you think they would rather see in the second round? You know, you talked about how you've been disappointed with Harvard's season so far. I will say this. Northeastern was a tournament team last year. I've been told I don't follow their league super closely, but they're the favorite to get out of that conference again. Buffalo also the best team in the MAC or, or around that. Mm-hmm. They're always a tournament team. So those might not be terrible losses. However, you said they haven't impressed either with a good win. They've struggled with a Holy Cross team that Maryland won convincingly against. I still would say Mark Trojan would rather face Texas A&M. I think Tommy Amaker is such a great head coach with Harvard. Those Ivy League teams are always so methodical and play such great games in the half court. And Maryland loves to run. And I, you know, I think a team like Maryland will still be able to play their style against Harvard. But if I had to pick between the two, as you said, Texas A&M is not impressed so far. They got absolutely run out of the gym by Gonzaga. They've struggled with bad teams too. I think they almost lost to Troy. So, gun to my head, I would say Mark Turgeon and Maryland would rather face the Aggies. I, I'm in the same page. I think Texas A&M is going to try to play their style, and just they're going to be way worse at it, where Harvard can throw them a different look. And I honestly did not know that about Northeastern and Buffalo, so maybe they're not as bad as I think. Um, but I actually do th- – I came, coming in, I thought it would get progressively harder. I think Temple will be harder than A&M or Harvard – and so, like, if they can get past Temple, that's a big step. Yeah. Um, but I agree for, for a lot of those same reasons you said. Oh, I, I actually, I wanted to show this when I was talking about the 11 a.m. game. Because I think the Harvard game would be at 11 a.m. too. I get to men's basketball media availability today at, like, 2.50, 2.55. Practice is going to, like, 3. And I walk in, and I hear crowd noise. And they were practicing with, um, you know, crowd noise, like, put in the stadium so they can get, so they can get the guys used to playing in a loud environment. My question is, who's going to be loud at 11 a.m. at a Maryland Temple game in Orlando? I was just about to ask, will this Orlando crowd be louder than the Maryland crowds in the first five games, which have been criticized a lot? I mean, maybe, but who, who from Temple, who from Philly is traveling down to Orlando to harass the Terps? Like, if anything, 
I think it's going to be awkwardly quiet. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If you look, you know, up and down this tournament, which teams are involved, even Marquette, they don't have a huge alumni network, almost all located in the Midwest. Are these guys really making the trip to Orlando? You never know, though, because as I said, I turned on the Maui Invitational, and I couldn't believe how many Dayton fans were there. So all it takes is, what, a few hundred really rowdy people in these small gyms? You've, you've been to the Orlando gym, mm-hmm. right? How small is it? It's actually, like, not, it's actually not that overly compact. Like, it's, if, like, for, I mean, it's, 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 it's honestly not as small as you, like, I think okay, it's, so I think it's bigger it's, than Maui. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's bigger than Maui. Okay, then that's important to note. So, yeah, that all being said, you're right. This <laughs> is going to be, you could hear a pin drop. This could be on Empty Seats Galore Twitter page all, all Thanksgiving. <laughs> I mean, Maryland can't even sell their home games, so. <laughs> you're right, exactly. So, it's funny, we'll see. We'll have to see about the crowd. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, looking at this tournament, though, big picture, are you, are you disappointed that this is the tournament Maryland's in or that these are the teams that they'll likely face? Yes and no. I mean, when – so they were – it was announced they were in this tournament, like, I think around this time last year. And right when the season ended, Marquette was a top-five team with the Hauser brothers. So, I mean, if they could have been going up against, like, another top-ten team in Marquette, like, it, it just so happens that the Hauser brothers transferred from Marquette and Marquette took a huge – step back but i do think though this will like gradually like these opponents are a step above the first five teams and a step below like notre dame Illinois. like their schedule is going to progressively get harder and harder so at least they're inching up towards like that seton hall game and it's better than not playing a tournament which they did last year so like yeah do i wish they were playing in maui of course but this is better than nothing yeah it's a it's, it's a good point and these are all tests. I think being on a neutral makes all things a lot more interesting. If these were all home games, we'd be looking at them looking at them a lot more differently. So, it's you, you know you know it's college kids. Weird things happen in these non-conference neutral site tournaments. Looking ahead to the the championship in the last round, Marquette and USC are the prohibitive favorites to mean the championship. Davidson might give Marquette a run, although they haven't been as good as one would hope this year. Although the Atlantic 10 has been pretty good this weekend, so we'll see. But in terms of like the championship, who do you think Maryland would rather see, Marquette or USC? If it's well, so it's an interesting question because I think Maryland would rather see USC from the standpoint that that would be the team to eat that would be easier to beat. But are we looking at this from a big picture standpoint? What would ah. best prepare Maryland for the future? I kind of want to see that Marquette matchup because Maryland might not have the best player on the floor in that game. We are both Marcus Howard fans. I think you, even more so, are a big-time Marcus Howard fan. Love Marcus Howard. And I just want to see that matchup, how Maryland handles a game where they don't have the best player on the floor. And so from, you know, looking at it like who they would rather face, if their only goal is just come out of Orlando with a win, I say USC. But if they want to really give themselves a test – and prepare for the Big Ten season and ultimately the tournament, I want to see that Marquette matchup. Yeah, I think, and I actually think USC might match up with them better. USC is actually a much bigger team. They have three really talented frontcourt players, led by Nick Rakasevich of St. Joe's in Illinois. So I've got to give a shout out to Illinois Prep Hoops. But USC has some size, but yeah, when you look at the Ken Palm, USC is 61 and Marquette's 27. So, like, Marquette would be the better resume builder. 
And I think guarding a guy like Marcus Howard will help guarding guys like Cassius Winston and Miles Powell down the road, those kind of lead guards. But um, Are you taking anything from that Friday loss to Temple? USC lost I watched, at home. I watched the second half. They just kind of played uninspired, and they were way bigger than Temple, but Temple did a good job kind of forcing the ball out. Like, they didn't really let the bigs dominate. And USC doesn't have very good guards. That's honestly my biggest takeaway, and I think Cowan would have an advantage in that game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd be interested to see how they guard Marcus Howard. Like, would they go with Cowan or Morsell or Wiggins or just throw different guys at him? I, I've, I've watched Marquette, I think, twice this year. They're all right. They can shoot when they're hot. Like they're a good team. But if you take away Marcus Howard, they don't have a lot of offensive explosion. And they lost to Wisconsin, who turned around and lost to Richmond tonight. So I mean, I like it's not yeah. a great it's... tournament. Like champ, you know, it's not gonna be a, a, an insane championship game. Maryland should handle both teams. The, I guess Marcus Howard going off is the only way they lose. So, that all being said, what's the appropriate level of celebration and happiness Maryland should have after winning this tournament? I mean, they should be happy. They took care of business. You know, go enjoy Disney World. I want to see sticks on Splash Mountain. You know, go enjoy go enjoy it. But they got to get ready because the schedule only gets harder with Notre Dame, Illinois, Penn State, Seton Hall coming up. So, like, be happy, celebrate it, and then get right back to work. Yeah. Last question with this tournament, unless you have more. Um, we just talked about Penn State, Illinois, Notre Dame, the upcoming schedule. Do you think Penn State, if they were in this tournament, would be the second-best team behind Maryland? Just to, just to give our listeners an idea of where you think these tournament teams stack up against Big Ten. They'd be better than, they'd be better than USC and Harvard and A&M and all them. Versus Marquette, like against Marquette, it, it's tough to say. I think them and Marquette are in a really similar range. Okay. So that's kind of where I'd have them. And you can throw Michigan in that range, too. I think you can throw Illinois kind of in that range. Like I think all those teams are really similar. Okay. Um, well, like, my last question for you, when it's all said and done, is, is Maryland still a top-five team? After this tournament? Yes. I, they better be, because that means if they're not, they would have lost one of these games that... I mean, I was about to say it would be an unacceptable loss, but it's college basketball and it's November and we've already seen all these great teams take L's. So I wouldn't freak out too much if Maryland does have a game that doesn't go so well. But we, I'm pretty optimistic they take care of business and walk out of Disney World champs. Yeah, I, I agree. Again, I think the only thing that could stop them is just a complete no-show in an 11 a.m. game or a Marcus Howard explosion in the championship. But when you factor the percentages of those, I see Maryland walking away. Well, one thing about that that I think is interesting is where have we seen these types of no-shows from Maryland before in recent history? Oh, the Big Ten tournament, neutral site, weird start time. So your your belief that this could happen is not like a crazy one. We've seen Maryland basketball. Just think about last year in that Nebraska game, guys. We've seen this happen a lot. So I think it's interesting to think about. Yeah, and I think this tournament, you know, last year they didn't play a Thanksgiving tournament. So, like, maybe when they went to Chicago, they weren't ready for a tournament style of play. Although, I mean, they played one game. It wasn't really a tournament. But I think playing in this hopefully helps them in March when they have to play another tournament style kind of thing. All right, Noah. The, the Maryland plays on a Thursday. It's Thanksgiving. There's going to be football on. Our hometown Chicago Bears are going to be playing at a similar time. I don't know exactly what time they kick off, but I, I there should be some overlap. Are they the early game? Yeah, they are. Then, yeah, major overlap, I think. Yeah, so get your two TVs set up. 
we can watch Anthony Cowan and Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy and Mark Turgeon. And so I decided to put together some Thanksgiving props, a little make-believe casino action. All right, we'll start with, uh, I brought up Cowan and Trubisky, the two leaders of our respected teams. Who has more turnovers on Thursday, Cowan or Trubisky? Hmm. I'm going to say Cowan. The Bears play the Lions. If it was a different opponent, maybe I'd lead Trubisky. I think it will be close, though. We've praised Cowan for taking care of the ball in these early games. So I'm expecting a low number, but I also think the Chicago Bears, our favorite team, it's been a struggle <laughs> to be a fan of that team this year, but they, I think they get conservative. I don't think Trubisky will throw that many deep balls and maybe one or two picks max. I mean, the Giants aren't a very good defense either, and he still had two picks um, this past weekend. So I've never been a Trubisky guy. I would love to fade him. I think if you were like giving me even odds, Cowan is a safe play. He averages two turnovers per game, and Mitch averages a little less than two. But like if you're giving me like plus one twenty five for Mitch or like plus yeah. one twenty, I'd probably sprinkle on Mitch. So I'll say Cowan, but like if it's Trubisky, I will not be the least bit surprised. And that's an unfortunate <laughs> truth. <laughs> All right, and both fan bases this year, well, Maryland fan bases in general just haven't loved Turgeon. The Bears have done a Bears fan base have done, has done a complete 180 on, on Matt Nagy as the Bears have completely struggled this year. Which fan base do you think wants their coach fired more? The Bears or the Maryland basketball program? Well, right now the Terps are 5 and 0. Everything is going well. <laughs> I, we did talk about on the last show. We had people after the Oakland game where they won by 30 still talking about how bad Mark Turgeon is. So, still not super, you know, not great. But as of now, I think it's Bears fans and Matt Nagy huge letdown season in Chicago, major disappointment every way you look at it. And as I said, Maryland is undefeated, so it's hard to really get on a coach. Now, Maryland fans have a really short leash with Mr. Turgeon. They do. And if if that Thursday game against Temple does not go their way, you'll be seeing those fire Turgeon tweets on your phone. Every time, every time John Rossing does a Maryland tweet, like a college park is electric or on fire – you just look at the comments. Oh, but Maryland's in Turgatory, and but Turgeon's still the coach. I honestly don't know. I don't think that Maryland fans care that they're undefeated and they're in the top five. I'll say I will say Nagy because the results and because I think NFL coaches have a much shorter yeah. leash and they cycle in they cycle more in and out. But it's just crazy. A year ago, this would have been Turgeon by a mile, and now you know because Matt Nagy is the coach of the year, and now as the Bears have struggled. The fan base is starting to question it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What does Mark Turgeon have to accomplish this year to truly win over the haters? Honestly, the haters are so delusional. I think it's Final Four. Like, I think they can make the Elite Eight and lose, and people will blame him yeah. for the loss. Like, I, I, don't, I think it's Final Four. That's a good point, because I, I think a lot of people believe that Maryland is the most talented team in the country, or at least right up there talent-wise. So the loss in the tournament, whenever that may come, or, or it doesn't come, but <laughs> you, you better, you know, you're right. You're going to see a lot of people blame Mark Turgeon. In fact, I, I would bet on it right now that the majority of blame tweets will be directed at him no matter how the game actually plays out. Exactly. So I'll say, I'll say Nagy for that one, but it's, that was honestly the toughest one for me. Like, I was going back and forth just because of how unreasonable fan bases can be. I'll, I'll stick with another Bears one for now. 
More threes made. Eric Ayala or Bears kicker Eddie Pinheiro. Threes being field goals. I'm going to say Ayala on this one. I just don't think the Bears are going to score many points, and maybe they just score two touchdowns, and that's their point total of the game. Who knows? But I'm going to say Maryland gets hot from three against Temple. I'm going to be optimistic, and I hope Eric Ayala has something to do with that. Yeah, I... Good. So this one, they both actually average around like a, a Eric averages one made three and Pinheiro averages like 1.1 field goals. So this was a really close one. And with the Bears, it's like even if you get this guy in field goal range, it's no guarantee he makes it. I'm I'm gonna go with him though. I think that Ayala, 11 a.m. new backdrop, new stadium could be a little thrown off, and maybe he gets one. And I just think Pinheiro, this, this Thanksgiving game, I feel like it's going to be ugly. I feel like it's going to be a field goal game. I don't trust Mitch to get him in the end zone necessarily. So I would take Pinheiro, but we'll see. That's another one uh, worth monitoring. Yeah, I thought these were all great props you thought of. I mean, Th- they're coin flips. Thank you. All right, last one. I'm going to throw in the Thursday night football game. It's the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Um, who scores more points? Maryland in the first half or the Saints – Throughout the whole game. Ooh. Maryland first half or Saints whole game. I think you're overlooking the rejuvenated Atlanta Falcon defense. They've come out the last two games. What? They, they actually have, haven't they not? They've, uh... I'm looking right now. That they... So... Or I guess I was getting too ahead of myself. I didn't realize they lost to the Bucks, But it was the <laughs> new... new after the bye week, they played New Orleans. They let up nine points to that same offense, and then they played Carolina and let up three. But what they do yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I kind of forgot that game happened. I was <laughs> you were busy. I was busy. I had a Wizards game. I also did you know probably if I had games to watch, that was not going to be one of them. <laughs> so that's a good point. And now that they have that loss, that probably kills their their season, right? I know they probably had like a 2% chance of making the playoffs even if they didn't lose that game. But now that they have that loss, what do they have? Eight losses. Their season's over. And I think the Saints might want to come out and get revenge. So I'm going to say the Saints have more points. Yeah, and I think, again, we talked about, I I mean, this is probably the 10th time I've said this, but 11 a.m., I think that's going to hurt the offenses and and the new backdrop of a new stadium. So I think, like, Maryland can probably get to 30 I'm going to go with Maryland. I think it's going to be like Maryland is 30 and the Saints have like 28. I think it's going to be really close, but I'm going to lean Maryland. Last one, I didn't put this on. Wait, but hold on. So you're you're just telling me that we shouldn't freak out if Maryland is a slow start? No. (laughs) If if a game is close at the 17-minute mark, Noah, remain calm. (laughs) Especially in this one. 11 a.m. start. I know you've done it a lot, but it's important. Like, I feel like... A lot, like, Maryland could be losing at halftime in this game and people are going to be going crazy, but that 11 a.m. start and it being in Orlando matters. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, Temple has to play at 11, too, but I think that just allows for more flukiness. Is yeah, my point. and that helps the worst team. Yeah. All right, so the last one, I didn't put this on there, but I asked Daryl Morsell today, which Maryland player do you think could eat the most Thanksgiving turkey? So which do I think? Yeah. Or okay. Daryl said uh, Jalen Smith for what it's worth. Yeah. But who are you going with? His metabolism must be insane. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it there. You know, I, you would think a Mitchell twin, right? They're the biggest ones on the team. Dark horse candidate Dante Scott. That's my pick. Okay. I think, I think Dante is a competitive guy. It sounds like he wants to win everything. If this was like a competition, I think Dante would just man up and just gobble all that turkey. So yeah, Dante is my pick. 
I could see Jalen as well. And who on the flip side eats the less, uh, least? Well, Anthony's been cutting weight, so that's kind of an easy one. Yeah. Uh, Reese Mount, I think, could chow down. He's a, he's a farm boy. He's pretty, he's pretty muscular. Will Clark's pretty skinny, but he, I guess he's tall. I'll say Anthony followed by Travis Valman. Oh, okay. Those are... That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so... Ayala or... Ayala could be hungry. He's kind of like a wolf out there. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Ayala's another competitive guy, and you were like, all right, this is a competition. <laughs> I think Ayala would be locked in and trying to win. So, all right, Noah, any final thoughts before we depart for Thanksgiving break and watch three, hopefully three decent yeah, tournaments? Yeah, Let's hope it all goes well. Um, I'm excited... But as we said, if one thing doesn't go well, expect a fan base that seems to be revitalized and excited about this number five ranking, totally turn on the team and the coach. Because we've seen it again. Maryland fans are a little bit fair weather. They do like to criticize the coach. So my the last thing I'll say is this. I hope Maryland cleans the slate in Orlando, walks away champions, but I'm also not going to freak out if they lose. I mean, I hate that we agree so much, but like, I, yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. Like, I expect them to win, and if they don't, it might be a slight issue. But overall, I think it'll be a step up in competition, and I think they should answer the bell. All right, well, Noah, this was fun. We'll have to do this again next week to recap Thanksgiving and preview the Notre Dame game. Yeah, that, we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Absolutely. To all the listeners, thank you guys for listening, and uh, see you next week.